Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. My name is Ashley Horner. I have a guest today. He is fast. He is furious. His name is Corey LaHoy. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today. Corey is a professional NASCAR Cup Series driver who you can find behind the wheel of number seven, Spire Motorsports Camaro. Though he's only 29 years old, he's already had a decorated motorsports career, netting numerous victories throughout his time in developmental series. He's also a third-generation motorsports star. Both his father and grandfather are members of the New England Auto Racing Hall of Fame. Corey also hosts the Stacking Pennies podcast and is passionate about using his platform to help those in need. He's raised more than $240,000 for the organization SamaritansFeet.org, which provides shoes for children in need around the world. You can follow Corey on Instagram at Corey LaHoy, uh, and you can learn more about him on his website at CoreyLahoyRacing.com. Um, I met Corey. I've actually, I've never met him in person, uh, but he's really a fascinating individual. And you can tell that um, he brings the athleticism that he has uh doing functional fitness. And, and he realized early on, if he wanted to be one of the greatest NASCAR drivers, um, he had to be physically fit as well. And, uh, so he took, he took so much of what he learned through his, uh, um, just training and, and he's applied that and he has brought that over and, and he knows the discipline and the importance of not only being physically fit, but how that's helped him, um, get through all of the racing, um, that he's done. And not only that, like you can tell, he's just such a, a, a crazy competitive, uh, individual. And so him and I, even though I've, I've never met him in person, the, but we, we kind of like banter back and forth and, um, we have the same manager and agent who joins, um, us on this podcast, Mr. Andrew Stallings. Uh, and, and it's just so fun to see them interact and, um, the relationship that they have built and then just the competitiveness between myself and Corey. And then of course we're always giving Andrew a hard time. Um, I'm really excited to bring him on to the reborn podcast. It's going to be a great show. And, uh, I really hope that one day in the near future that I'll be able to take a couple laps around the track with Corey in one of his, uh, race cars. Enjoy the show. And, uh, Corey, welcome to the reborn podcast. Thanks so much for like coming on today. And, uh, just, I, I can't wait to learn a little bit about you, um, and your extensive hat collection, uh, and everything that you do in, uh, race car driving. How did you get into that? Uh, well, if anybody's watching on this video and not just audio, I'm in my dad's office and he's got a bunch of, this is kind of like the Randy LaJoy hall of fame just inside here. He's got all of his helmets. Uh, he's got a bunch of, uh, old stuff from championship days back in the mid nineties. So, um, naturally. So was, your, your dad was a race car driver. He was. So, you know, awesome. naturally when I was, you know, a little whippersnapper, he stuck me in a go-kart when I was about three and, and started going and, you know, I had some bumps in the road, just like every other, uh, kid trying to make it and got lucky, got some breaks and, and, you know, found myself racing on Sunday afternoon, uh, taking the long way around. But, um, you know, I, I feel like, um, 
when you're born into it. My grandpa raced as well. My grandpa did it in the Northeast. He's in the New England Auto Racing Hall of Fame. So auto racing and driving is in the joy blood. So it's cool to be able to carry that banner on Sundays. So Corey, talk to us a little bit about the mindset and the decision of going all in on motorsports. Uh, for those that don't know, you you do have a pretty athletic background. Uh, if people are tuning in during a rain delay at a NASCAR race on, on a Sunday, they'll probably see you throwing a football around uh, with special guest VIPs at the track of different NFL players and drivers alike. Uh, but you know, you played baseball and you had a pretty big affinity for baseball growing up. Uh, but obviously, you're you have a legacy uh, in the world of motorsports. You know, both with your father and your grandfather. Talk to us just a little bit about what goes into that mindset of, of making the decision to go all in on something and, you know, doing it a little bit, you know, later on in your life, because most motorsports drivers and most athletes, they have to make a decision pretty early on. And it seems like, you know, from what I recall, your mid to late teenage years, you, you kind of said, look, like. I, I want to be a race car driver. So just talk to us a little bit about what that decision was like. Yeah. I mean, I played uh, baseball all the way through high school and honestly, if I didn't have, so I went to high school with the Seeger brothers. There was the uh, Kyle plays third for the Mariners. Currently he's been playing for him for 10 years. He's won, I don't know, three or four golden gloves. Kyle Seeger or Corey Seeger was uh, a year or two younger than me. Uh, and he was the shortstop for the Dodgers still as he was the world series MVP last year. So I got the chance to measure myself up on what would be major league talent. And I realized real quickly, I did not have uh, what those guys had. I had enough to go, you know, dabble, maybe D one D two collegiate level, but I didn't have the passion or the abilities to hit a curveball, Ricky, uh, like uh, those guys did. So um, that alone probably pushed me, to be a race car driver, just or really take it serious. Um, you know, I, I didn't have the passion for anything else. I'd rather be at a racetrack on the weekends or work on the car late at night or, or just mess around with my buddies uh, that were all in racing. I didn't want to go to, to the cage. I didn't want to go work with coaches. I just wanted to race and drive around in circles. So, um, you know, I, I think that sometimes I uh, wonder if I made the right choice, but most of the weekends I, I do love what I do. Did you, did you know from an early age that, that that's what you wanted to do was just become a a race car driver? Like there wasn't, if you, if you weren't uh, a driver, like what else would you be doing? Do you think? Um, I mean, working in the sport, some form or fashion, my dad's business builds aluminum racing seats uh, for any kind of car or razor or off-road boat, you know, offshore boat. We, and we do a bunch of different stuff to try to keep people safe. But um, you know, I would probably dabble in that. Um, you know, whether it be a driver coach or a spotter, um, you know, but like being a race car driver, wasn't exactly what I, you know, like dreamed of doing. I just kept doing it. I was halfway, halfway good at it and got the opportunities to keep going. Um, you know, I, and I do think when you're a little kid, I think every, uh, my cousins, he, he was an undrafted free agent signed to the LA chargers this year, trying to make the squad. And, And we, him and I were talking last week, um, about how, you know, when you're, 10 years old dreaming of what it's going to be like to play in the NFL or racing in, in NASCAR. You think it's just some glorious thing and you're going to be a rock star and the rock, red carpet's going to be laid out for you. Then you get there and you're like, this isn't as shiny as I thought it was going to be. And it's like this realization of like, okay, now I got to like get to work and start busting my ass to, to stay here. So that's, that's pretty much where, right where I'm at right now is paying some dues and hopefully I can get uh, in, a, in a position one day where I can be competitive and win races. So Corey, talk to us a little bit about your journey 
into the world of NASCAR because your journey from what I understand and those probably who know and follow your journey firsthand uh, know that it hasn't just been anything but an upward trajectory. Uh, obviously, the name of this podcast is Reborn and something that Ashley takes great pride in when she talks about you know, and shares her stories with guests and listeners every single week is that she has groomed and evolved through highs and lows, uh, through learning exercises, um, and kind of going on these roads that are a little bit less traveled. Uh, talk to us just a little bit about your journey into NASCAR and what that's looked like. Yeah, it's a long, long story, but um, you know, I, there's been I tell people all the time there's been a lot of people with more talent and more money behind them that that didn't figure out how to stick around, and I think a lot of that's just just mental, you know, leveraging relationships, being a good, uh, you know, sponsor ambassador, engaging with the fans and, and also getting the job done on the racetrack. Sure. Sure. I mean, that's, you know, by the end, at the end of the day, that's what we all get paid to do. But, uh, I was signed to a, uh, driver development contract with Richard Petty when I was 18, thought I had the world by the balls, uh, had this five year plan laid out. I was going to be a cup star driving the 43 car for Richard Petty. And, um, about 16 months later, we couldn't land any sponsors to get me into their, their AAA program, which was the Nationwide Series, Xfinity Series now. And a kid came in and bought that seat, essentially, put me on the sidelines again. So I was pretty much shelved for two years uh, with not much driving opportunities. And uh, Bill started racking up. I bought a, I bought a townhouse and, um, you know, I was, I was dating then my now wife, Kelly. So like we were trying to, you know, figure out life and, and pay some bills. So I just reverted back to what, um, I, that essentially got me to the level of, of driving, which was just working on cars and trying to get crafty with, with, you know, putting the right people in the right spots, being like a team manager for a lower level team and Canon series. And I was, uh, I was crew chiefing for a guy out in Bakersfield flying across country about twice a month uh, to crew chief this guy, David Mayhew. And uh, I was going to go down that path. Uh, but by you know, serendipity, um, a partner that I met through Richard Petty Motorsports, I've literally bumped into him at, at Phoenix one year when I was out there crew chief and I had a, ra- had a headset on. And he's like, hey, Corey, you know, we've been keeping up with you on social media and we like how you carry yourself. And, you know, uh, Darren and Patty uh, are their names. And Patty and I, we, we, we were talking actually about it last week. We wanted to get you, we want to like help you get back driving again. Um, so they, uh, their company, U Theory, sponsored me to get back in the Xfinity Series, kind of get the snowball rolling of my career after it came to a halt uh, and just kind of catapulted that opportunity, which was a, a partial time deal into another partial time deal. And then begged, barred, and steeled to get into the Cup Series with pretty much the the difference of my career continuing or stopping was a call from Jimmy Johnson to the owner uh, Ron Devine, I was trying to drive for in the cup series, which was at the time it was the bottom of the, you know, the, the slowest team or, you know, second, the slowest team in the grid. I just needed to get, uh, you know, into Sunday some way, somehow. And Jimmy was coming off his seventh championship. He was on the ski lift at Aspen. And I was like, Jimmy, I need a, I need a favor here, big dog. Can you, can you call Ron and just vouch for me and just, you know, put in the good word. And he goes, yeah, sure. So I sent him, 
sent over Ron's number. And about half an hour later, Ron calls me up. Says, oh, let's, let's do this deal. And it was only a one race deal, the Daytona 500. Uh, so I qualified the car, which wasn't locked in for the Daytona 500. That one race deal turned into a 33 race schedule and I was able to keep, keep it rolling. But there's been plenty of times in my career where, um, you know, one phone call or one conversation or, you know, one, one opportunity that, that wouldn't came up, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you in the same context. So, uh, I definitely consider myself lucky. So it sounds like you've been like an athlete of some sort your whole life. You've been surrounded by athletes, athlete, you know, the athleticism is in your family. Do you consider being a NASCAR driver an athlete? I, I do. Now that's a deeper conversation. Probably. Um, it does take some athletic ability. It just depends what your definition of athletic ability is. Right. I mean, I've worn whoop straps and heart rate monitors and you, you can burn between mm-hmm. 3000 and 4,000 calories in the four hour window of, of a race. So, okay. So I'm really intrigued by that. Like how, how do you, like, how does that work? I don't, and I'm, I don't know anything about driving NASCAR racing at all. Um, when races are the extent that they're at the, the timeline that they're on, how, like, how do you, like, what are you eating? Like cheese puffs? Like, and do you have like a bag of cheese puffs and like snacks and like, or is it like, you know, whenever I go off on my endurance races and the long and hard things that I've done, I'm, I'm doing like these little energy chews. I'm doing bars. How do you fuel yourself for the, for that time? Cause it, it's really intense. Like you cannot, like you have to be so focused on your driving. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sure you and I both haven't eaten a cheese puff unless it's fallen off your kid's plate in a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. so you, uh, what are you like 8% body fat and I'm, I'm 9.6 somewhere in there. So cheese puffs aren't uh, inducive. Uh, so I, I'm triple that guys. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't ask you, so we you just know. assume, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So there, there's this drink making, I've, I've experimented a lot with that because you want to keep something in your stomach, but it's all, you're in the car with a helmet on. It's not really it, it, inducive to like, eat a sandwich, right. Or something like that. So, um, we drink, we have drink bottles that we swap out each and every pit stop. So I've, I've tried some different powders and, and stuff like that, that kind of with some caffeine, some without caffeine, uh, and I've land, I've landed on a, a concoction that I like, uh, that kind of keeps some carbs, keeps some sugar in you. Cause Gator straight up Gatorade, uh, is, you know, not, not very good, especially over a four hour duration. So, um, you know, after, three years of doing it, I've kind of figured out what to put in my drink bottle to keep me going, but you definitely are awarded a couple of beers and a cheeseburger after, uh, after a 500 mile race for sure. Do you, uh, like, is it stressful whenever you're driving because you're having to just focus on so much? Um, it's kind of like, like, what is uh, the, you know, I'm sure that when you, do, you know, when you went and did your 24 hour row or your run from like 25 hour, row. 25 hour row. I'm sorry. And then you run from like, you know, Key West to Alaska. So I forgot exactly how far you ran, but it was far. Um, you know, you get like in this flow state, they call it where it's almost like this out of body experience and your body just kind of doing like it's natural instincts of like what it's trained to do. And, and I feel like that doesn't happen every week, but it happens more often than not to where it's like your, your body's just performing what it feels and what it does. And you're not really conscious you are conscious but you know you have to like it's it's almost separate it's like this weird weird feeling that it's hard to even explain if you haven't experienced it so um you know that that comes into play and and 
there's sometimes where being in a flow state or being like doing some something subconsciously is is not good because you want to be present. You want to be like engaged and finding every ounce of speed there is to find adjusting to the conditions in the car uh, each and every lap because it's always going to change. So, you know, you have to be mentally plugged in, but you also have to save a little bit of mental energy uh, for the long ones and the really hot ones that you burn so much calories because it's so hot in the cockpit. It's just, it would essentially like being, it'd be like holding a 25 pound plate and just doing, you know, steering wheel turns in a 140 degree sauna for four hours. I mean, it's, and, and that's about, you know, with, and your, your body's undergoing the, you know, 0.7 to 2.1 G's every corner. So, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of wear and tear in your body, even though you're sitting still and you don't think that you're doing much, your body's under a lot of stress. So Corey, I got a, a multi-part question here. So, so try to hang with me as I walk you through this a little bit. Um, I've, a lot of NASCAR drivers lean in on endurance related exercises and activities. You know, Jimmy Johnson is, is very popularly known to be found on a bike, you know, and, and even IndyCar drivers, they, they love their biking. Um, but you know, for you specifically, you've definitely catered to more of a strength training and CrossFit style workout regimen, um, in the last few years. Talk to us a little bit about what your normal training routine looks like. And then on the second side of this, I really want to understand kind of your nutrition, um, like the educational journey to understanding your your body weight structure, nutrition, fat percentages, all of that. Because again, as you and I always talk, you know, you have the luxury of being told by your nutritionist to go crush Chipotle burrito bowls. Um, meanwhile, I look at a Chipotle burrito bowl and I think I gained 10 pounds. So talk to us just a little bit about, you know, kind of what you've learned and gone through with, you know, kind of your caloric intake and, and understanding what your body needs and at certain times and, and how that factors into to what you go put on the track every single week. So that's about a nine question question. I'll answer the first one. So I do a, uh, it's kind of like a form of CrossFit. I, I remember one of the, the nicest CrossFit gyms, I think, in the country at Vitality down here in, in Concord. And, and Steve Pinkerton, who competed in the games, is a good friend. So, you know, I do a lot of his program. And I think that, you know, does a clean and jerk push press complex help me in the car? No. I mean, it does. I mean, functional strength applies in all aspects of life. But I think the, the thing that I love about CrossFit is – as much as it's a physical strain, it's a mental strain to where every workout is a mental push. And you have to, you can, you can choose to go right to that edge of where you feel like you're about to die, or you can try to push that horizon a little bit further. And I feel like, uh, you know, with, with racing, it's, it's also a very similar thing to where, you know, your brain doesn't want to hold your right foot down and go that much faster, and open your corner up that much more. So it's a very, similar, uh, mental push of like this, uh, self-preservation switch is what I call it. You have to figure out ways to shut that off to, you know, not be a pansy, you know, you, you get into a, you know, a, a deep Murph workout or something and, and everything inside you just wants to quit and you still have half of it to go. Those are the, uh, you know, the, the things that definitely relate to, to driving in a car when you're hot and your vision's narrowed up and your, your car's not, you're driving well. It's like you have to figure out ways to keep yourself motivated and and engaged mentally as well as physically too. So that's why I love CrossFit. Um, and then, you know, I didn't really start taking nutrition serious until, uh, about 
last October. Honestly, I, you know, I, I've always been able to, you know, I've been during my mid twenties, I could eat ice cream. I could eat bagels in the morning. I could eat like anything that I wanted to and not notice a change. And then when I got to, you know, 28, nine, where I'm at now, I was like, man, I can't eat, you know, stuff. I can't drink as much beer and not notice like a little bit of change in, in my body composition. So I started meeting with a nutritionist and we did an in-body scan where you stand on there and it measures your, your water weight, your muscle mass, your, your, uh, metabolic, your resting metabolic rate. So I didn't even know what that was until they told me. And I was probably eating a thousand calories short every day of what my body needed and what it was burning just sitting there. So once I started taking that serious, eating a bigger breakfast and timing my food the way uh, it was supposed to be, um, you know, I've put on 10, 15 pounds easily. And then, you know, during the dog days of the summer, which we're in right now, when we when we're going and we're racing at 100 degree heat, it's almost impossible to eat enough food to uh, put the weight on or at least to sustain. So these two weeks off here, I'm eating a ton. You know, I, I level off somewhere around 188. Uh, so I'll try to get back to like 194, 195 here by the, the off weekends over. Cause I'll lose seven to eight pounds every weekend of water weight. So, uh, my body definitely fluctuates quite a bit, but knowing now understanding my body better and what I need to put in to, to keep fueling it the right way is certainly important. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, are, so I'm assuming that you're on the road quite a bit, uh, competing and how does your fitness regimen and even the nutrition, aside from eating 16 meals of Chipotle a week, uh, how do you take that with you? And aside from just even like in the, in the NASCAR arena and, and driving, um, how has that and, and fitness and, and just strengthening the body and the mind, how has that affected your life outside of that? Because I can imagine, I mean, you know, I don't, I know very, very little about NASCAR and, and being a driver, but I can only imagine that there is a good deal of stress that comes with, being a professional uh, race car driver like yourself, and how do you how do you help manage the stress and the demands of of everything that you do, kind of encompassing all together into one thing? Um, how do you take how do you take your fitness on the road? I do a terrible job at that, and I'm actually probably a uh, at home workouter. You know, I'll, I'll go out and f- for a jog, but luckily right now. Uh, the NASCAR schedule is fairly consolidated on the weekends to where we usually fly out on a Saturday afternoon and then we'll show up Sunday morning and race and then go home. Uh, you know, but in the past years, it's been, you leave on a Thursday afternoon, you're there Friday for practice, Saturday for qualifying, and then you race on Sunday. So you'd have to figure out and get creative, uh, how to do some, some fitness things on the road, whether it just be go for a jog or find some, uh, you know, a stadium, do some stairs or something like that. But, um, right now I, I usually just, rest on Saturdays and Sundays because I'll try to hammer and do a little bit of recovery on Monday, some stretching or sauna or whatever it takes uh, to, to get loosened back up from, from a weekend. But um, I'm a, I'm an at home guy right now. Luckily that my schedule allows me just to get it in between Monday and Friday. Do you notice a difference between um, some of the, the drivers and the athletes out there um, competing and racing compared to, 
uh, the ones who train and they train, they train their bodies regularly and they're on that strict discipline schedule compared to the ones that don't really, you know, take that into consideration because I think it's kind of funny. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely on the outside kind of like looking in to, to your career and everything that you've done. And it's like, I think in the beginning, and I don't know, we probably like joked about this, like through social media, it looks like you just literally get in a car and just sit there and you drive like without knowing it and me not being educated in the sport. It seems like it's just like the easiest job at all like I you know I didn't even think or like even you know I guess like the obvious like you obviously have to eat and you have to hydrate and um like what can you just kind of talk about that for a little bit yeah so you know I think Jimmy Johnson was probably the the one on the front end that changed that idea of you know if Jimmy Johnson would have worn pink shoes with purple shoestrings when he won 70 championships, half the garage would be wearing pink shoes or purple shoestrings just because he was doing it and he was successful at it. But, you know, he really took the, to Andrew's point earlier, the, the, the long distance triathlons, marathons, he would go on, you know, hundred mile bike rides weekly. And, and people started taking that a little bit more serious. Like, Hey, this guy's kicking our ass maybe because he's in better shape. And certainly uh, that's, that's partly of it. You know, he was working with a, uh, a fantastic team there and, and a great crew chief during his championship run, which, which also helps, but, you know, people could in general in life, I feel like people just want to be good enough to feel healthy or look a certain way. Like it's another thing to push yourself to be better than that. Um, you know, I think that when that apply, like you can be good enough in good enough shape to feel good in a race, your neck's not sore and your, you know, your heart rates in a manageable uh, window between, you know, 125 and 150 throughout the whole course of the time without it getting skyrocketing. But like, if you are, if you're able to get it for conversation purposes, 15 beats per minute lower throughout the course of the race, because your, your cardiovascular level is stronger then your mental clarity is going to be so much better at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the race. And somebody might be a little bit foggy and you might be able to take advantage of that and a restart or something. Uh, and, and you never know, but I, I know for just speaking for myself, I'm not going to get outworked off the racetrack and that's not going to be an excuse for me. Uh, why, you know, I'm not the most in shape that I can possibly be and put the work in. You know, there's a lot of other factors that, that go into how successful you are as a race car driver, obviously, the, the size horse and, and, you know, how fast that your horse you're sitting on runs is certainly a big, big part of it, but it, I'm not getting beat because I'm out of shape. I can promise you that. And the stuff that I can control, uh, I'm certainly going to control it and, and do my best to, uh, you know, to, to be strong and, and be mentally ready to, to perform any given weekend. Yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying, Corey. And I think a lot of it goes just to what we've touched on here a lot today and that's commitment right? Like that commitment is more important than anything else. So let's pivot a little bit to the topic of parenthood. Um, obviously, Corey, you're a father to a beautiful boy, Mr. Levi. Ashley, you know, you're the mother to three beautiful boys as well. Uh, I am the new guy to the party expecting my first boy uh, here in October. Um, but I, I want to talk about just parenting styles and how that goes into the tons of stuff that you have going on. Ashley, we all know that you're full-blown, full throttle on, on everything. Uh, but with Corey, you know, you're traveling 36 weeks at minimum out of the year. Um, and, you know, as you're kind of stepping into this this new evolved role of being a parent, 
there, there's a commitment level, right? And that you owe to not only just your partner, but also your son uh, and to yourself, uh, you know, being there, you know, for your boy. Talk to me, uh, both of you, just a little bit about what goes into and how you find the balance in the day-to-day uh, organization and scheduling um, of your lives and, and balancing parenthood with that as well. You could take that because I'm, I'm fairly bad at, at that aspect of life. <laughs> well, no, there's no, um, I see you with your little guy. He's so freaking adorable. Um, I just think that for me for the longest time, because now we have work, it's, it basically travels with us, right? It goes home with us. Like when we're on vacation, it's like, are we really on vacation? Because we have access to our phone, to social media, which for me, like social media is, um, it is a way to connect with people, uh, but it's also it's work. And uh, it took a long time. I'm talking like like years for me to learn how to uh, turn it off, how to cut it off. And because I would try to do both at the same time, like I would try to work and engage with my kids at the same time. And where I fell short and where I was wrong was that I was only able to be 50% a mom and then 50% put into my work or whatever I was working on, whether I was, you know, sending out emails that demanded and needed structure that needed a clarity, or if I was engaging with, uh, an employee, um, each, each one, like my kids were only getting half of me and, and the work or whatever project or wherever I, I was trying to, you know, put my attention on, it was only getting part and half of me. So, what I have learned and I've gotten so much better at it over the years is I have learned that you have to switch it off. You have to switch it off from um, the moments that you work and then the moments that you're at home and the moments that you're with family. And it's definitely not easy. I think it's a skill set that uh, it takes a, a, a long time to just kind of get used to doing that because you love and care about both. Like I love being a mom. I love being at home and engaging with my kids, but I'm also, some would say like, I love to work. Like I'm kind of like a workaholic. Like I, you know, my passion is in fitness. I love running a restaurant. I love doing the screen printing and every, every aspects of my life. There hasn't been a job or like anything that I have started because I, I felt like I've had to, everything has been kind of passion driven. So, you know, when you're passionate about something, just like you are like with your, with your driving, it's, it's, you know, you're naturally drawn to that. And it doesn't mean like, because you're focusing on like your driving and, and the racing and, you know, pushing and moving your career forward. Because if I had to bet Corey, a lot of the decisions and the sacrifices that you've had to make now have been for your, for your son as it's been for your family. And, um, I mean, I, I look back on my career that I've had over the past, um, you know, probably like a decade of, of doing what it is that I do. And I do have regrets because I have missed out on a lot of, uh, things that, were really important in my kids' lives because I was traveling and working and meeting with people and building the empire that I have today. And, you know, I have to kind of pull myself back a little bit and say, like, I shouldn't feel guilty for that. I shouldn't feel guilty for the sacrifices that I had to make because in the end, everything that I have done up until this point, all of the sacrifices have been for my boys. And I hope that, um, at the end of the day and as they get older that they will see that is the legacy and that is the purpose that I'm leaving behind to be a good example and a good role model. And, uh, it does take sacrifices and it's hard. It's really hard to turn it off and turn it on. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the, you know, my, my biggest shortfall is, is figuring out 
ways to prioritize, you know, because you and I both and everybody anymore, their, their life and business connected both are on their phone. So, you know, whether or not you're just scrolling Instagram mindlessly, you know, that's a little bit, uh, you know, obnoxious or, or not needed. But like when you're talking to people and you're trying to do deals and you're trying to figure out situations, most of those are on, done on your phone. Uh, and a lot of times you can't keep that between eight o'clock in the morning, you know, and, and four o'clock in the afternoon. A lot of the times that seeps over into your, your afternoon and a lot of real time. Usually when Stallings calls me, it's the worst time possible, but I'll take it anyways, cause just to hear his voice. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody has it completely figured out because it is like you, you are working to leave a legacy for your, for your kids as much as you are yourself. Um, but, but also there's been some, some people in my life who I look to, who do a great job with it. You know, Joey Logano is a friend of mine and he does a great job being able to switch it off, um, and, and switch it on with, with family time, or even, you know, the difference between being a, a happy go lucky guy outside the race car at the racetrack, then he put his helmet on and he's a, you know, he's a killer and he's a competitor when, when he goes behind the wheels. So, you know, I look at, look at some guys like that, the guy, the owner of Bill Barton, Nick Greer is a, a great example too, of somebody who has, you know, seven kids, I believe, and has several successful businesses, but manages to, to spend a lot of time, quality time with his kids and have a great relationship there. So, you know, being aware of it, I think is, is probably the most important thing. People that, that aren't aware of, of not spending that, that quality time with your family and how much it could, uh, you know, affect relationships with your significant other or, or kids. I feel like just being aware of that and always trying to, um, always, you know, be present when you are present, you know, it's, uh, it's so cliche to say, but when you're there at home, you better be there engaging with them, trying to learn and, and just learn from your kids as much as they learn from you. So I'm having a blast doing it. Mm -hmm. So, um, rumor has that I've heard from a little birdie, uh, that you have a little charity event coming up in the fall in October. Is it October? October 6th, which is, uh, okay. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, I've been working with a, with a charity called Samaritan's Feet over the last couple of years. It's a, a charity that gives shoes, uh, new pairs of shoes to children all over the world, um, as well as domestically. I think they've given away almost 9 million pairs of shoes over the last 12 years. So um, I race a nickname Super Shoe, so it's a natural fit. And Manny, uh, who is the president and, and founder of Samaritan's Feet, him and I are, are great friends now. So, uh, anyways, I've had this idea of doing, you know, people do their golf tournaments, people do their, you know, softball tournaments. You don't really hear about a full on 16, 18 team kickball tournament. So, uh, through some connections at the local Y, uh, we were able to, to lock down the stadium, uh, October 6th, which is the Wednesday before we race here, right in our backyard of Charlotte. Uh, so hopefully all the fans can come out and we got, Kyle Bush and Joey Logano and Dale Jr. and a couple of basketball players, a couple of football players coming out to do have a to have a celebrity kickball tournament. So we'll see who can uh, kick one of those red bouncy balls the furthest and 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 take the home take home the hardware in the first annual kickball classic. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I want to um, I want to wrap with uh, you know aside from. Aside from everything that you're doing right now, what is what is coming up with you um, in the near future? Like, where can people follow you and learn more about you and and your journey? Yeah, so um, 
you know, I, I always like dabbling with projects just to kind of keep the creative juices flowing. And sometimes that's cars. Sometimes it's a NAS couch. I called it where I took a car and cut the whole right side of it out and put a couch inside that lives at Bill Bar facility in Salt Lake. Um, I mean, my, everybody's life is on social media. Uh, mine is no different with it at Corey LaJoy, pretty much on all the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, but, you know, never know what the next product's going to be. I've had a, a passion to start developing some wheelchairs. I feel like there's a, a combination of technology that between, you know, the racing, a race car and our racing seats, and we can combine to make a pretty cool and functional wheelchair. I've, I've had a thought about doing that for the past couple of years and, and, and engaging with, I was involved with hope for the warriors and wounded warriors. So obviously there's a, a awesome. big need for some cool, functional, um, adaptable wheelchairs for outdoors, for trails, stuff like that, that, uh, I might be start dabbling here in the next couple of months. That's awesome. Um, one final question. Um, I, uh, I want to ask you, when it's all said and done and the chapters that you are writing are coming to an end and you're writing your final chapter, what is the legacy that Corey is wanting to leave behind? That's a great question. Um, you know, I don't necessarily care about, you know, having so many stats and notches in any particular column of, of my racing statistics. I feel like racing has, uh, and will continue to give me a platform to, um, you know, just engage with people, um, and, and, you know, use, use, a, use a platform to, um, talk about my faith, um, you know, whether people can be impacted by that. Uh, I'm a big Tim Tebow fan on how he used his faith. You know, people take it one way or the other when it, when it comes to that sort of stuff with, you know, how competitive you are in your profession versus what you actually use your, your platform for. So, you know, I feel like, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to remember, uh, you know, what you did on the racetrack or how many trophies you have. Cause you know, thieves steal and moss to destroy that sort of stuff. So, you know, I want people to remember me, how I impacted them, how much uh, impact I had in their life. And, and if I was, you know, good to them or good to my family and people around me. So um, I got a long, long way, hopefully to, uh, to write that last chapter, but you know, it, if, if it's up to me, I would, that, that chapter would have nothing to do with what I do as a, as a career or, you know, what I, have done or what I've won, it, it would be, uh, you know, who I am and who I was to friends and family around. I love that. I love that so much. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Corey, on the reborn podcast. Uh, I hope that I can, I would love to come watch you in October and to be a part of that. So, um, well, you are welcome. Okay. I will, I will, if you, you say the word and I'll have you a Jersey. I really, I really want to, uh, I really want to drive a car like really fast. I want to I do might some... be able to line that up. Okay. If you, if you make it down in October, I will, I will line you okay, up. That's on the bucket. It's been on the bucket list for mine for a long time. I like love, I had a GTR for a little bit and, um, dude, I'm so glad that I, I, I didn't have it for very long because I would have, I would probably be in jail right now if I still had it. I just like, I have this need for speed and, um, 
I, yeah. So I'm glad that I don't have the GTR anymore, but I love to drive fast. So I would love if the opportunity presents itself and there's uh there's an opportunity, come on, Stallings, make this work. Uh, I want to have, have your person <laughs> call my person and uh, we'll see if we can line it up. Sounds good. All right, Corey. Hey, have a great day. And I can't wait to just, I enjoy following you on social media and uh, I, I will just continue to follow your journey and hopefully I'll see you out in the fall. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, that is it for the Reborn Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, give us some comments, give us some feedback, send us your questions so we can answer that on the next Reborn Podcast. We really appreciate your support and the love, and we are out. Mm -hmm.